Hi there, I'm Eric Wordweaver Shervin, Gothi of the Ridgar Folk here in East Texas, and I would like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy, sets my mind on fire at the time. Big UPG warning at the beginning of this is every episode. Um, these are just the views of one East Texas heathen. Uh, this is how I see the world and how my a little snippet of my worldview. And so make of that what you will. Uh, these are my observations, and you are very much encouraged to make your own. I am no Asa Pope. I am no, <laughs> by any means, uh, authority figure on any of this. I'm simply a guy who likes to prattle in front of the camera, and, you know, people seem to follow it. So thank you guys. You guys are awesome. That being said, uh, these, these videos are only ever meant to be like conversation starters for you or to kick off your own uh, interest in research, things like that. So there you go. Now... <coughs> housekeeping stuff all my contacts down below you guys know how to interact with that do with it what you will uh, if you are interested in anything email p.o box all that stuff's down below go with that <laughs> so on to today's subject this is a viewer request that came in very recently actually i uh, managed to catch it as i was looking over the facebook feed and uh, robert runtung uh, popped up a a question about the three B's. It's a follow-up on a concept that I have talked about before uh, with regards to kind of a deeper dive into the three B's. Uh, and for those that aren't familiar, aren't uh, in, in, in that are not uh, <laughs> in the know on the three B's, the three B's are burn, bury, and bog. Um, these are the three primary modes of sacrifice as far as what I have been able to suss out and ascertain with regards to uh, sacrifice in particular to the deities, to the gods and goddesses, uh, but it also ap applies to uh, sacrifice in general. But in what I've read overall uh, with regards to heathen sacrifice, this seemed to be uh, the three main modes of transitioning something across the permeable membrane to the gods and goddesses. Now, the mechanics of what's going on here, we've talked about sacrifice before. We've talked about the, uh, the mechanics at play in the system of transitioning something from the material plane to the gods and goddesses. There are a number of things that are at play. There's a symbolism, a metaphor, and then the actual physical sacrifice. Uh, there's intention that goes into this, uh, praxis elements. All of this builds together to form what we know as a ritual. So the ritual that we are looking at right now is bloat or feigning. Um, sacrifice just depends on the terminology that your particular tribe or hearth uses to describe this ritual. The essence of the ritual is that there is a gift that is offered to the divine. We're going to use the divine in this setting, but bloat actually transitions as a mechanic to uh, dealings with spiritual uh, entities as well. So when you're dealing with ancestors and when you're dealing with the Vaitir, the actual process is very, very similar. Uh, it is the, the offering is made. There, there's an offering, calling of the entity, offering is made, offering is transitioned across the permeable membrane to said spiritual or um, holy entity. And then uh, once the offering is accepted, there is a reciprocal gift of luck from the other side, and then that is uh, parsed out to the people. So that's the basic you know, bloat in a nutshell. Um, extra trappings beyond that are for aesthetic purposes, for um, honing in and dialing down your uh, exact feel. Um, you know, as long as those base elements are there, you're effectively hitting the marks for a ritual. 
but the other aesthetic elements can help you really hone it in and make that ritual more effective. So it's erroneous to really call them just aesthetic uh, or just trappings, although they are trappings and aesthetics. Um, those particular elements do help to fine-tune a ritual and to make it even more effective because it affects not only your the connection at play, but it also affects your your state of mind in the process. So anything that helps to attain that altered state of mind, which is necessary for uh, effectively creating a good ritual contact, uh, those things are, are key and good things. Uh, so they are more than just aesthetic trappings, but they are aesthetic trappings in the same. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the three Bs here. Um, now that we've kind of reviewed the basics of what we're talking about with regards to ritual, the three Bs are burn it, bog it, and bury it. This is my breakdown for transitioning things from the material plane to the either spiritual plane or divine plane. So we're going to focus on the divine and the gods right now just for simplicity so that I don't have to break down both of those uh, every time that we talk about it. So uh, when we're talking about making an offering to the gods, we're talking about transitioning something from the material plane to the sacred plane. And you do that by crossing over a permeable membrane. This is a symbolic transition from the overworld to the underworld or from the material world to the spirit of the, the plane of the divinity, the sacred plane. Um, there is an actual transition that occurs. And ritualistically, that is achieved by destroying the object, uh, rendering it unusable to mortals. Uh, with swords, these would be destroyed uh, ritualistically, usually by being bent over an anvil into an S shape or broken or in some way sundered. You are taking the potential of this item and you are sundering that potential and you are offering the energy of that potential to the divine. You do that by passing it through the permeable membrane and then that goes to the gods and goddesses. The permeable, mem permeable membranes <laughs> that we are talking about in this instance are, with Burnet, uh, you are talking about a physical barrier of uh, material to immaterial. It is probably one of the most effective means of actually releasing uh, energy from something that is material because you are literally burning away any essence of what it could be. The fire itself becomes the permeable membrane at that point. When you pass something through fire, uh, it, there's, no, there's nothing but this, the carbon left on this side. So in a lot of instances, things like this, you would pass over things that are like written, um, anything that's easily burnable. I don't recommend using burning with things like food items. Uh, you can in certain instances, like uh, at Livka, uh, when we make our offerings to Edun, uh, one of the things that we'll do are uh, eggs for the fertility side of things during that time of year symbol of life and birth, etc., etc., and uh, very symbolic of, you know, the springtime. And uh, we will frequently put a few eggs into a fire while we're doing a ritual as part of the offering. Part of the reason for this is because every time I have ever done this, it has been extremely effective uh, when I am doing 
my little spiel after having made those particular offerings into the fire, uh, the eggs will pop almost as specific accents to things that I'm doing. I have no way of timing it. I have no way of predicting it. Uh, but we put them into the coals and in invariably at some key point we'll hear a pop in the background from one of those eggs going and then the sizzle. And it's just so cool. Uh, it's very, very evident at that point in time that the offerings are being accepted and that we are actually doing something with that ritual, something real. Um, especially when you're dealing with things like writing, uh, if you're going to do something for like Olden, uh, a written word is frequently used. Uh, you know, of course, most people will use like meat or something like that. But with Olden, uh, written word is very appropriate as well because he is a god of poetry as well as, you know, war and magic and all these others. And in that instance, um, burning a written offering is very effective. You're taking all of that energy that you've put into creating this thing. If you're gonna do a written offering though, I highly recommend making it the only copy of something that you are sacrificing. Otherwise, you're not really sacrificing it. Sacrificing a copy of a book that you have created, the only thing that you're really going to sacrifice is any monetary value you might have gotten from that. But if you write something specific for Olden, uh, even if you just read it to the group that is gathered in his honor and then sacrifice that piece, then the only moment that this exists is his moment and it is shared with him and then it's not reproducible after that. Um, I mean, you could go through and try and rewrite it afterwards, but then that would become a new creation that's copying off of something previous. And I wouldn't do that personally because I feel like it would, um, it, it would m diminish the value of the offering that was made. So there are other gods and goddesses that uh, fire works for as well. Um, pretty much all of them in any instance, depending on what it is you're doing. I don't find that necessarily the methodology of sacrifice is better for any particular god or goddess so much as I feel that the materials that you are sacrificing are kind of key. Now there are some thematic elements to using fire, such as at Midsummer. There are some complications at midsummer, especially if you are in an area that has strong burn bans during that time of year. Uh, making offerings to, let's say, Sunna uh, would be difficult to do in fire if you're under a burn ban. So you've got to be kind of creative uh, if you want to try to do that. Contained rings, uh, fire pits, things like that, very effective, especially if you dedicate one to these purposes. Um, if you're going to do a ritual offering, please, please, please exercise good safety with the fire. Make sure that everything is contained. Make sure that it is safe. Make sure that you don't catch anything else on fire. I also highly recommend that you build the fire and continue to feed it throughout uh, the remainder of your gathering so that any offerings that are made to it will actually burn all the way through. There are other things that you can do with the ashes once you have completed a burnt offering, uh, such as I, I have done things where when we would do routine ritual offerings through fire, I would gather ashes from each of my ritual fires and then mix those in with the next ritual fire to kind of create a, a quasi-eternal flame. It's a continuation of the energies from one into the next. You can also use the ashes in blessings and in wards on property, on belongings, and things like that to help impart some of that luck. 
It's very similar to sprinkling with the blotain. Uh, you can actually mix the ash in with a bowl of liquid if you've done like a burnt offering and then you ask the gods to bless like a horn of mead that you then pour into a bloat bowl and use your bloatane. You can actually scoop some of the ashes into that and uh, that, that's very effective as well. But again, you've got to be careful because if you've got an active fire going with uh, cinders and ashes, it's not advisable to uh, ruin your ritual instruments by, you know, throwing hot coals into something. So. Keep that in mind. Uh, timing may be something that is a thing, so you may have to work with that. So we'll we'll see from there. So <clears throat> that's kind of a, an overview on burning. Um, let's go ahead and jump into uh, the next section, which is going to be uh, burial. Uh, this is another form of ritual that leads to a lot of the discoveries that we have. Um, there are a number of pagan ritual sites throughout Europe where we have found remains of offerings buried outside of or within the bounds of a ritual space. Don't mind the bell, that's a customer leaving. And uh, these, these ritual spaces will have a, kind of a dedicated area that functions almost like a mass grave uh, where offerings are buried. This per the permeable membrane in this particular uh, modality is going to be the actual surface of the earth. You are literally passing something from the overworld to the underworld as though um, burial with like uh, a human being, an humation kind of thing. And with that you are passing from one world into the other and then burying. When it comes to items like this, when it comes to sacrifices dealing with burial, I highly, highly recommend using things that are biodegradable. Um, food offerings are excellent to do burial with because they will break down into the earth and, and return very well. Metal offerings can be done this way, but be mindful of the area that you're in. Keep in mind that uh, you don't want to be contaminating any groundwater or anything like that. Um, most metals will break down over time. I mean, if you're using something that doesn't doesn't rust and biodegrade well, then I wouldn't necessarily urge you to do that. Although, um, this is how they will find archeological evidence of our rituals and things in the future. Um, but if it continues like it does today, then those won't ever get found or recognized for what they are because they'll just be paved over bulldozed or something. It's a sad thing, but it's true. So, burial works really well with things that are, again, you can use paper, you can use um, wooden things that break down really well, food items. Technically speaking, when you are pouring out a liquid offering, you are still crossing the permeable membrane of the soil, of the earth, earth's crust. That is the point at which it is no longer uh, usable. That is the point when you are passing from this world into the next because it seeps down into the earth. That being said, I do not recommend doing those kind of things on concrete. Still works, still works, because technically you're not going to be, you know, pouring it from the concrete back into the into your horn and then drinking it. Um, it will dissipate, it will evaporate, but it doesn't facilitate the permeable membrane nearly as well because it's not going down into the earth. Um, there's real meat there uh, to the ritual when you're able to do that. So I highly, highly recommend doing it on bare soil when you can. Um, something that is absorbent and will will take it. Um, pouring over rocks and everything is fine because like with me, when I'm doing my well offerings, I do pour liquid over my altar, but that goes down into the ground beneath the altar and continues that process. It's also reminiscent of the watering of the roots of Yggdrasil as done by the Norns. So 
highly recommend uh, being mindful of the environment in which you are working when you do these kind of offerings. More earthy uh, gods and goddesses are definitely better for this particular modality. Um, when you're dealing with things like Freud and Freya, um, this could be a modality that is very effective in reaching them. Um, I find burial more effective for me when dealing with like ancestors or Vaitir. Um, I usually will use burial more frequently with Vaitir uh, than anything else simply because I am returning things to the earth and making that offering directly into the soil which they work with. Um, I'm, I'm putting it into their world. So that's kind of a thing. Um, it, it, it varies and it depends. Um, you can mix all of these as well, burial, burning, and bogging, um, because you can like with the ashes from a fire, you can mix that into the soil, uh, you can mix it into water, and then put it into the earth, get all three. Um, all of these are very, very effective. It just depends on how you want to go about it. If you look at uh, The Road to Hell by H.R. Ellis Davidson, you will see some very strong uh, evidence for a period in time where both inhumation and immolation were practiced as burial rites for uh, archheathens because they would burn the body and then they would bury the ashes in an urn or something like that uh, into the ground and then you have a, a both a combination of inhumation and immolation so you've got the burn and bury both in the same thing uh, just kind of working together in that instance. So you can do multiple modalities within a ritual and be very effective. Is it necessary? I'm not going to say that it is. Um, but ultimately speaking, it's going to end up being multiple modalities depending on how you go about it. We'll get to that here in a second. <laughs> so uh, on from burial, you're going to go into my favorite, which is bogget. I'm a huge fan of bogging. Um, I like the idea of passing through the permeable membrane of the water surface and dropping something down into the bog, the symbolic bog. Uh, I use an actual trough that symbolizes our well, and then we'll put our offerings into the well, and then I'll use it throughout the remainder of the ritual. This works really well with things that dissolve well in water. Um, it can also work well with fruits and things like that, uh, food items uh, that are passed through that permeable membrane and then turned to the earth. So it's a combination there of the two, because at the end of the ritual, I will pour out the remainder of the well over my altar and all around my vase space to help spread that blessing once that connection has been made. And we've effectively made heathen holy water that gets spread around as part of the warding and part of the blessing of the Ve, uh, and spreading that energy in there and really rooting it down and seeding it. So there's a combination of those things. And if you put in things that are biodegradable into your bogging, then those things can uh, return to the earth. I don't recommend using the bogget technique if you are using an artificial bog, quote unquote, um, like a bucket or a, a, I use a big bin, a big galvanized bin. Uh, it's, a, it's a watering trough and uh, very, very effective and it's dedicated to this purpose. That is its only purpose. It is our well. And when we do this and we do the, all of this, we're going through the symbolism for the mythic parody with the well and the norns and the watering of the roots of Yggdrasil with the altar representing the roots of Yggdrasil to send our blessings up to the gods and then through that into the well to get our blessings from the gods from the well to the bowl to be spread amount amongst the people. I do not recommend using things in the well that are going to not really bog well, and then in the same 
not really break down well afterwards. You know, poppets and things like that, uh, if you wanted to do a symbolic sacrifice, say to Olden, and you want to bog a poppet made from um, like twigs and things like that, that's fine because once you bog it and then you turn the water out uh, and return the boggling to the surrounding area, it's going to end up, that poppet will eventually break down. Uh, because it's all it's made of all natural materials. I highly recommend this when I do poppet work I usually use sticks and uh, Vines and stuff from my surrounding area that will break down well in that area So I that's just kind of a tip and trick there for me on my my part my approach to that um, Don't recommend like if you're gonna sew a poppet something like that bogging It's not necessarily going to be particularly effective if you are working with a temporary basin. Now if you are working with an actual large natural body of water then it's different because those things will break down over time uh, especially if you weight them appropriately so that they will sink to the bottom. Those kind of things are different. Uh, when you're working with a natural body of water it's far more effective and so wonderful <laughs> but not everybody has that availability uh, a lot of people the only way to get to a natural body of water like that is to do it on public land and then it gets dodgy because you don't really want to be going out and polluting public lakes with uh, offerings not that our offerings are pollution by any means but other people might see it that way uh, as not being considered of the land and things like that. So keep that in mind when you're making your offerings I mean if you're gonna offer something that is large and obstructive, um, then it's probably best not to throw that in your local lake because that could end up damaging someone's boat. Uh, yes, it will eventually rust and break down over time, but in the meantime, it could be quite a hazard to surrounding people. That's not being very considerate, and then that means we're not doing good things in the gods' names. Uh, that means in an act of something we did for the gods, we're causing trouble for other people. That does not bring good things to the gods. That's not good gefrain built. That's not good luck built. So, just saying. Um, I highly highly recommend things that are biodegradable dissolvable and uh, if you're going to if you're going to use a natural body of water um, something appropriately sized and preferably something that's not going to be damaging to the wildlife in the area i don't think the gods are going to smile on it too much if you are making an offering uh, that is going to be uh, toxic or in some way dangerous to the local Vatier, uh, just not really doing good things in their name at that point. So keep that in mind, keep in mind the why. You want to build a positive relationship with the gods when you do this, and damaging the local Vatier is not going to be a good way to go about doing that. Other than that, uh, similarly when you're dealing with like, if you're going to pour out mead, I really like doing mead and liquid offerings into a well because that melds with the water so well. The symbolism of putting down the layers into the well, seeing how that mixes and all becomes one, and then taking that mixture into the bowl and then using the bloat tank for it. Oh, it's beautiful. It's excellent. Wonderful. And then that crosses over from the permeable membrane of the water through the ground and it's just all beautiful and one big thing and it is gorgeous. I love it. Um, Again, I try not to use anything that might be toxic or dangerous to the surrounding area. I uh, try to keep things towards uh, drinks and whatnot, uh, just simply because it's going to be better for you know interaction with the environment. I'm not going to put anything in there that's got a high oil content or something that might be toxic or damaging to the environment at that point. Again, just trying to keep in mind that I'm trying to do good things with the names of the gods, not damage. <laughs> that's just kind of a thing. So. 
that was how I was going to break down the whole multimodal thing, but uh, we kind of already hit that. So the multimodal aspect of this is that you could feasibly burn an offering, put it into your well, and then from the well to the ground and hit all three modalities in one ritual. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, if you want to burn offerings, put them in the well, all of this being part of the same process, and then into the you know earth after that. It's fluid movement, beautiful, really good stuff, uh, very strong. But I highly recommend building your ritual around a single modality to begin with. Uh, don't try to get too overly complex with things because timing becomes an issue. If you try to burn an offering and then bog the ashes, you have to wait for the ashes to either cool or for it to burn so completely that it will effectively bog and not just become this nasty charred mass and not not do what you want it to do, uh, essentially is what I'm getting at. Um, of course, if you use something that's biodegradable or partially wood, then a partially burned thing is still destroyed and passed over. You get the idea. It can it can be flexible. Uh, it's going to build around your particular preferences in these areas and what you value in the elements of ritual as you build. So keep these things in mind. Build your rituals as you will. And I think you will find things going well for you in the future. Um, as far as particular gods and goddesses that are tied to the bogging process, I find bogging to be effective with all of them, uh, particularly because I work it in conjunction with the symbolism of Yggdrasil and the roots and the Urtzwell, Urtbrunner. So I don't necessarily tie a specific god or goddess to this modality, although you could feasibly, if you were doing uh, like a bloke to Njord, it would be very appropriate uh, if you were doing... I mean, bogging rituals have been done for, you know, all of the gods and goddesses over the time. Uh, we get evidence of it from Nerthus in the mainland, uh, Odin, uh, all of the gods and goddesses in some way, shape, form, or fashion. We see some elements of each of these offerings at some point in time or another. And so, go with what works for you. Go with what fits and what you can work with in your environment. The big thing here is that not everybody has access to an environment where they can do all of these things easily. Uh, someone in an apartment complex might have a difficult time doing a burnt offering and therefore a liquid offering on the ground may be more appropriate. Um, somebody who lives out by the lake may have an easier time doing appropriate boggings and making offerings that help to build the local uh, fish life and plant life as opposed to doing any kind of damage because um, it's more difficult when you have to go to public land to be able to do those things. It all varies. So keep these things in mind as you build your ritual. If you've got more questions or if you guys want to jump into a conversation on this, jump onto the Facebook group, Wordweaver Productions, and uh, let me know. Uh, jump in there and whatever works for you, we'll, uh, we'll have us a conversation and go from there. Um, Forgive if I seem a little hoarse today. Um, sinuses with all of the heaters and stuff kicking on. It was like 29 degrees here last night, uh, which I know for you northerners is no big thing, but for Texans, that's cold. Um, I like the cold weather. I enjoy it. I don't like heaters, and everybody clicks their heaters on when it gets down to like 30 degrees. Actually, everybody clicks their heaters on when it gets to like 50 degrees because Texans typically can't handle the cold. Uh, <laughs> I like it, so I like to keep it cool. That's what I enjoy. Last night was beautiful while I was outside, and then when the heaters kicked on, I get sinusy and it's all this stuff. So, meh, you know how it is. So anyway, thank you all. I appreciate it. Hopefully, Robert, that helped answer some of your questions, um, or at least gave you the more uh, down and dirty view on the triple B that you uh, were looking for. So. 
keep writing in guys i definitely use these recommendations as uh, building blocks for my future videos and i intend to continue to do that as long as i can things are kind of wonky with my life right now and i'm never sure one day from the next what's going to be going on and so there may be some interruptions in the schedule i've done really good about not having any interruptions up to this point i've been able to stay on point with it um but the YouTube channel does sometimes have to take a backseat to uh, more important hearth and clan elements. And so, depending on how the job front thing works out, I may end up having to take a little hiatus on the channel. I'm going to try not to, but if I do, don't be surprised. I have given you guys plenty of warning, uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Thank you all. Hail to you, and may your hearth fires burn bright.